0: today on retire smarter surprise another study came out showing investors are still underperforming and making bad investment decisions morningstar released its yearly mind the gap study last month and to no surprise investors are still making the same mistakes how can we stop the madness in this episode i'll break down the study's results and how true wealth is helping families not make the same mistake as the average investor coming up today on retire smarter
1: It's another edition of True Wealth Designs Retire Smarter. Welcome. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Tyler Emmerich. Today, Tyler is a chartered financial analyst and a certified financial planner and as he teased you at the beginning of the show today it's not good news for investors as we look back at what happened in 2022 Uh, looking forward to discussing this study with you tyler i think we've done this with with maybe you or kevin last year we looked at the 2021 data i want to say so be good to kind of see what's still happening in 2022 and take some lessons from the ups and downs of the market and it sounds like it was a lot of downs for those who were in that practice of, of timing things
0: that's right, Walt. Uh, got a good show for us today, and uh, excited to be here. Um, had a good weekend. How about yourself?
1: Yeah, it was a great weekend. Did a little hiking and uh, took a few few good photos. had a Had an elk right on the trail, Tyler. So. That was nice. kind of cool. Very, very serene. And
0: you and very, say cool. Nice. I say maybe a little scary. <laughs> maybe,
1: maybe a little bit. Yeah. Um, it, the the elk was very chill. So it wasn't wasn't like some of the elk that you see uh, right now is rut season. So the male okay. elk are creating their harem we could we could go and do a whole podcast about that um, <laughs> we, we were watching them bugle and kind of do their thing out in the meadows last night which was nice. very educational and interesting so they are the uh, the bull elk are very aggressive this was just a okay. a, a, a cow i think on the and the trail by itself eating having a good time so She was very docile and uh, didn't mind having her photo taken, so I gave the respectful distance, but then snapped off a few good shots, so that was great. So
0: nothing too scary, huh? Yeah,
1: nothing too bad. So We should tell the audience you have a new microphone, my friend. Well, I do,
0: yeah. We'll see how how I sound. We're we're moving on up. I've got this big bulky thing in front of me. Um, Looks pretty cool sitting on the desk, so hopefully I sound great. Um, This one has lights on it, doesn't it? (laughs) <laughs> it does a little bit. It does. It's lighting up. It's 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 very official. Um, it's very very official. So, but hey, Walt, I got to ask? Uh, have the leaves started changing yet? Just uh, a little bit. Just okay.
1: a little bit. So there's some orange and yellow starting to dot um up in the mountains a little bit. So yeah, it's kind of in that cool stage where you'll see a tree and it's still all green mm-hmm. except one branch has turned. And it's like, oh, what what made that branch special? Why did that one turn early, you know? And so that's kind of cool to see. The reds have seemed to come out early this year. There's a few trees that have just gone red, like, in an instant. So that's kind of cool. But I think we're still probably a week to maybe two out from things really starting to explode.
0: Be here before you know it. It was a little chilly here in Northeast Ohio over the weekend. It was good, uh, yeah. a good little chilly, um, but uh, fall, fall is rapidly approaching or might be already here. Cheat. Yeah,
1: very quickly. It was, uh, it was 36 when I started my hike the other day, so it, was, okay. it felt like it had arrived in a big way that morning. <laughs> 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 but I, I, I nice. guess you expect that if you're up at like, you know, 10,000 feet, so not, yes. not, oh, absolutely. not too much of a surprise. Well, let's dive All into right. this study, Tyler, and uh, not keep the folks waiting, especially if we have any market timers listening into the show today. I'm sure they'll be extra interested in, uh, in w- what this study says and uh, in your take on these things.
0: We'll give them a little bit of data for sure. Um, so Morningstar actually uh, has the, their annual studies. For those not familiar, Morningstar is a very large investment research and financial services firm, very well known in the industry. If you've done any type of research um, or you know internet searches, I'm sure you've come across them. And uh, the, the annual study uh, is called Mind the Gap Study. And essentially, what it does is the study estimates the return of the average dollar invested in funds and exchange-traded funds, i.e. investor return, uh, and it compares it with the average fund's total return uh, with any difference uh, between the two attributable to timing of the investor's purchases or sales. So in short, it's basically saying, hey, what has been the effect of individuals uh, jumping in and out of investments, and has it hurt them or helped them uh, in the long run? And the study is really a a rolling 10 year period so it gets updated yearly. Um, So what we're taking a look at is the data as you alluded to Walt from uh, the December 31st of 2022. And if we look back, uh, they always do it based off of like an average uh, annual return. Uh, So over that 10 year period or that running 10 year period, uh, the average fund gained a little under 8% return per year. During that time period. And the gap between the fund's performance and individuals' performance was a little below 2%, set right at 1.7% difference. So let me do some quick math for us here. If we've got a million dollar portfolio, individual investors were down about $17,000 below uh, the actual fund performance, not a small chunk of change. No. uh, And thank you for doing the the math and
1: not making me do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And we got to remember that's average annual returns. That's 17 K a year on a million dollar portfolio that the average investor is giving up by timing the market. Um, So what is that like one fifth of the fund's performance? Um, It's a pretty significant shortfall. And frankly, it's not a new phenomenon, which is really what kind of, drives me a little bit crazy if we go back to the same data the same report over the years um, it really hasn't changed much and frankly it's gone up back in 2018 the results the gap was a little over one and a half percent and now we're getting closer to two percent so you know over the last few years we've continually seen seen uh, investors uh, underperforming just the funds themselves to where if they would have just bought and held um, they would have have uh, you know, gained that roughly 17k a year that I mentioned uh, before, which is again, just a pretty wild stat. And so we felt, well, hey, why don't we take some time? We'll dive into it. And um, obviously it's something to where I feel like there's a lot of data out there. Walt, well, wouldn't you say that's probably the biggest no-no uh, that you hear as you've kind of gone through your podcast or done your research? Hey, don't try to time the market.
1: Absolutely. I would say if there's one mantra that has been pumped up over time, it would be that one. Don't time the market. It is a fool's errand. Even the best can't do it. Those are all kinds of the the, the terminology and the phrases I've heard surrounding that.
0: Sure. And I think it's very, maybe even interesting about it. And it's like, well, why do we keep making the same mistakes? And even looking back on, on last year, you know, if you do any type of reading on the economy or listen to the news, you know, throughout 2022, I think most economists and news channels were all saying, Hey, recession's coming. Recession's coming. 2023 is going to be a rough go. And then, you know, you're looking at, I think families are looking at their local, you know, banks and the CD rates and savings accounts getting close to 5%. And, you know, it's like the shiny new object, right? Hey, why do I want to take on that risk? I'm going to pull my money out and I'll go to cash. I can get that 5% on, on a CD. Um, but when you look at and and. Two, again, all the headlines, all the negative news articles saying how the economy is coming up on a recession. And you kind of look at the, well, what would have happened if you were one of those individuals where you would have pulled your money out and put it to cash uh, at the beginning of this year, even if you put it in one of those CDs getting 5%, you know, the all country world index, uh, as of here, as we record in late, September, it's up about 11% this year. Um, and we haven't seen that reset, recession fears come uh, to fruition yet. So again, I think it's just, a, a just here recently, I think we can get very caught up into that shiny new object, um, and trying to say, yep, this is going to be the one I can absolutely see it, the markets going to crash, and, and I'm going to time it right. And I think it's just another case of, well, it, just how hard um, and how fruitile it is uh, to try to do it within just here recently and you know i'm not saying that i have any idea on where the market's going going forward um, or how that trade's going to come out but the data has been pretty clear over that rolling 12 month period and i think we've done a a number of podcasts on the behavioral side of investing. Uh, if you remember, well, just getting back into, you know, kind of the emotions of investing and some of the common mistakes and really as investment professionals, well, what are we trying to be leery of and avoid as we're going in and, and developing portfolios? And not only do I think, you know when individuals get into this whole timing and thinking that they, that they can, you know, it's it's almost we call it illusion of control bias. Have you heard that one
1: before? The illusion of control, control. bias. Yeah, yeah, heard yep. of that. So essentially, bias just
0: before. how it is, right? Mm-hmm. You got it. So just basically, is saying, hey, investors and analysts and portfolio managers believe that they have more control over the outcome of their portfolio and their investments uh, than they actually do, and it's very apparent. I mean, really, just last week. I had spoke with an individual. We'll call him. We'll call him Sam. Um, and and Sam was uh, actually found us uh, on our website um, and and asked for a quick call and wanted to see about our services. And this is pretty typical for anyone that's um, you know looking into true wealth and starting to work with us. Um, normally, what happens is we'll set up a quick fifteen minute phone call just to discuss. Hey what are you looking to accomplish what do you want to do is it a good fit and how might we be able to help so you know Sam had went through that process and I was talking to him last week and you know he was very very adamant um and that he wanted investment advice from us um, and he wanted us to give him a list of investments that we thought would be prudent in his situation Um, and then he would go back and take that list of investments that we recommended and go and implement them on his own terms right, or his own timing and I think that uh, kind of alludes to this whole illusion of control or this whole market timing like hey if I just had the data I just had the perfect investment I could go back and I can choose when to buy and sell and when to get out of the investment And I think there's uh, a number of issues with Sam's train of thought when he's kind of thinking about working under relationship that way, that is just saying, hey, point in time, give me a list of the best recommendations to choose from. Almost like that old broker list, if you've ever heard or watched any of the the old school shows where they're like, hey, I'll come into my meeting, I got my 10 best stock picks here for you, and uh, we're going to go and try to get you into one of them.
1: I, I was just Definitely watching that Wolf, of, Wolf of Wall Street just the other day. So it's reminding, <laughs> reminding me of that.
0: Not, not a bad movie. Pretty entertaining, by the way, if none of the listeners have seen it. Yeah. Um, but. You know, when you think about building a portfolio and where I think Sam's maybe missing the point a bit is that a key component into building a portfolio is understanding how those individual investments work together to an end goal, right? We want to maximize return and minimize risk. And when you start cherry picking investments with no thought on how they work together and how they move uh, together, I think it's going it to leads to just bad portfolio results over time. and You know, you think about that point in time advice, there's really no investment process or framework in place uh, to help Sam kind of manage that going forward, right? He's got his list that we would have given him. He's got all these good investment picks, he thinks, and then he goes and implements it. Well, what happens six months down the road? What happens, you know, a year down the road, two years down the road? Um, Is he going to? hold those investments those entire time how's he gonna get out of them how's he gonna sell them and how are they gonna to, gonna to work together you know I think this goes back to one of the key principles that some individuals miss when they are thinking about their portfolio is what is your process what is your investing framework we call it and essentially it's well how are you managing in that portfolio on an ongoing basis and what rules do you have uh, put in place to protect you when inevitably the market it becomes volatile or inevit- inevitably an investment doesn't perform the way you expect, what is your rules and your process for analyzing and deciding, should I continue to hold this or should I not? Um, and I know Kevin's done a, a, a multitude of them podcast on True Wealth's investing process. So if anyone would like to get into that, I think it goes back all the way to oh, one of the early episodes, Walt, well, I think back to like episode twenty sevens where we started to do a three-part process on that or a three-part um, series on you know, our investing process. So if anybody wants to, they can go back and check that out.
1: We'll put that, a link to that in the show notes, of course. Yeah, back 27 through 30, a four-part, a four-part series we did on that.
0: Okay. And then uh, I think another big thing uh, that Sam might have been missing here is that he was very specific that he wanted to look at his investments in a silo. It wasn't how are these investments going to work? To accomplish his goals how is he going to help work to eliminate or lower his tax situation none of that it was purely looking at the investments in a silo and I think not having that full picture and not having some type of understanding on you know why are we investing what are we trying to accomplish is really going to set you up for failure and what I mean by that is we kind of go back to the article a bit in the study uh, that Morningstar put out, uh, when you get down into the uh, down in the weeds on it a little bit more, one of the clear takeaways of the study is that investors are actually more likely to mistime their investments in highly volatile funds than in less volatile funds. You know, some listeners might be saying, well, that, that makes sense to me, right? The investments that are going up and down uh, more frequently, if you're trying to time it and you make a bad decision, hey that's gonna hurt a little bit more. But I would say even taking it one step further, it kind of gets back into those emotional uh, biases and how we think about investing and how individuals you know, think about their portfolio. And the fancy term uh, that comes to mind uh, for me is what's called prospect theory. And essentially, well, that's where investors value gains and losses differently. And it's really clear in the data that the uh, average investor, those losses hurt more than gains feel good. And I'll say that again, kind of, you know, to make sure that hits home, right? Losses hurt more than gains feel good, which sort of makes sense. Doesn't it? Well, when everyone likes to see the portfolio, very accurate. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you start thinking about those volatile investments, um, or those investments that, um, have a little bit more volatility with them. Um, well, when you see, and you get that statement and you go, wow, I'm down whatever percentage that it is, you know, that hurts. And if you haven't done the front end work um, to help you during times like that, I think we're going to start leading with emotion and then making those investment decisions or maybe even making changes based on that fear or that emotional side of things of, hey, I need to stop the bleeding. I don't want my investments to go down uh, anymore. And you know, one of the things that I think is. Really helpful as we think about going to going through volatile market periods is having a plan and having done some of that upfront work to help avoid making those emotional decisions. And you know when, as I think about that, what comes to mind for me Walt, it's like, well, you should know what return you need to get on your portfolio to accomplish your goals right? You know, you you do that long projection out and you start to think through how you want to spend your money, whether it's, hey, I just want to get through retirement, or hey, I want to leave a certain amount to the family when I pass away, whatever it is, what return do you need to get on your portfolio to accomplish those goals? That way we can start to be deliberate and start thinking about, well, historically speaking, what type of portfolio would you need to have to accomplish that rate of return. You should also know how your portfolio will likely perform under bad market conditions. We call that a bear market test. And I think about your hike, at Walt, and we were talking about it beforehand. <laughs> I was like, "How many bears are running around there?" That's right. Um, and you're That's like, "Ah, it's the moose." Um, but we call it, we call this a bear market test, um, and essentially, it's saying, "Hey, when you look at your your portfolio, how would it have performed back in 2008 when we went through the Great Financial Crisis?" And not only how would it have performed, but how much in dollars and cents would your account have dropped, okay? And doing some of that work up front, well, when you get that statement and you see the negative number, you can go back right inside of your plan, look at that bear market test that you look at every single year and say, yep, that's still within range of the that worst case scenario, and all of those goals and all those things that I want to accomplish They're not in jeopardy, right? Um, And I think having that back end work to fall back on will help ease your mind a little bit as you start seeing those statements and you start seeing that volatility and going, all right, hey, I got to try to time this. I'm going to get out and then I'll jump back in.
1: Yeah, it's helpful. And I think a lot of this comes back to also realizing that when the market's down, you This doesn't count as market timing, right, but then viewing opportunity when the market goes down. So it's not all bad news. It's not all worth panicking over when the market uh, has corrections or goes down or is an unexpected um, result for what we kind of were hoping it would be maybe when we went in with our investments, whether we had those goals in place or not that you've talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. Hearing you say it, right? It's like how to how to maximize a bad market. <laughs> kind of yeah. almost like, wait, what? Um, but no, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's how do you make a bad situation better? Well, it's understanding and saying when you are going through those volatile times and let's say you're in retirement, well, having a pot of money that you know that you can pull from during those times without selling out of the more volatile investments when they're down, you know that's going to add some comfort. We call it a runway. Um, we've spoken on it many a times throughout some historical podcast and and thinking of it as, as this runway, right? How many years of spending do you have set aside in your portfolio that's in safer, less volatile investments that you can pull from if need be? You know, another one is tax loss harvesting, you know, for those families that have investments outside of retirement accounts, um, and you have investments that you might have just gotten into or whatnot, and if you have some losses there, well, can you realize those losses to offset uh, some of your tax situation for that year? Another big one, Walt, is really just simply rebalancing your portfolio. Um, and you know, simply put, rebalancing your portfolio is saying, "Hey, you know, I started the year with X amount in stocks and X amount in bonds, and this is what I needed to accomplish my goals." And you know, six months to a year later, you know, maybe those stock positions are down quite a bit. It's it's having the discipline to go in and rebalance um, and put more money back into some of those investments that are down, so that way when inevitably, we see a bounce back, you're able to ride that upswing. um, And you're able to, you know, come back in at a risk level that you originally started with, because if we don't, well, you're not going to come back nearly as fast, uh, because you have less amount in those investments that were down. I think rebalancing is key. Um, and, and, And rebalancing with a process, right? And how do you do that rebalancing? And how do you pick and choose your times to rebalance? And another big one here uh, on my list is I think about again maximizing that bad market scenario. Hey, where are you going to pull your money from? Tax loss harvesting, rebalancing the portfolio. But another big one's Roth conversions. I think just about every year in Q4, what we probably have our annual Roth conversion, you know, podcast and just reiterate just all the benefits uh, that could come out of, of handling those Roth conversions. But you know, you think about. The timing of those, well, if you do a Roth conversion when your investment portfolio is down, well, you're converting more shares at a less amount, and then hopefully your higher expected return once that money's in a Roth, um, and all that, of course, growth inside of the Roth is uh, tax-free. So those are just a handful, Um, you can look back on a few episodes where we kind of dive into a a multitude of things you can be looking at when you experience those bad markets. Um, But I think it's one thing we don't want to do is kind of put our head in the sand, not look at your statements and not make any changes at all, because we are missing potentially some opportunity to limit that downside.
1: Very good. It's all helpful, yeah. I think, to put these things into perspective, Tyler. And the thing that keeps circling back to me is all about the the plan and those goals. How can you know that you're not supposed to panic when the market goes down? Or how do you know when, when to sell or not sell if you don't have that plan in place and those expectations? That's It always comes back to that, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
0: It does. Well, I think back to Sam, right? And, and him wanting to get that investment advice and look at it in a silo. It's like, well, if we do that, what what is he going to have to rely on when he does go through those volatile times? You know, he has the, doesn't have the plan in place. He hasn't done the upfront work to understand, well, how much volatility would I have in my portfolio? What losses could I experience? And, you know, how is this going to impact what I'm trying to accomplish? All those things in conjunction, I think, are extremely valuable to help you make better decisions for the long run, right? And, you know, we're coming to the end of the podcast here, and you know, we've covered a few different things, gone back and forth, and we've rattled off a lot. And you know obviously the big thing to write down right while is hey don't try to time the market if you again any garner anything from the podcast today it's that hey don't try to garner the market but I think number two is well hey have you done the upfront work to put yourself in a good situation to where when you inevitably experience this or when you get that urge to say hmm should I just sell everything out to cash right now is now a good time to do that you can have that plan to rely on um, and kind of take some of that emotion out of it and say Say, hey what's going to be the best decision for me long term uh, so that way you don't get caught up into the, some of those short-term you know fluctuations or you know, short-term goals
1: Well, I appreciate you walking us through these conversations today, Tyler, and if anybody has questions for Tyler and the team at True Wealth Design, it's very easy to get in touch and put together the kind of plan that helped Sam in our story today. Uh, Put together the kind of plan that's going to help you have a lot more confidence as you approach retirement or as you just navigate some of the major financial decisions that you have to make in life. Uh, Go through the planning process uh, with the True Wealth Design team, but it all starts with a quick conversation, 15-minute call, with an experienced advisor on the team. See if you're a good fit to work with one another. You can set that up by going to TrueWealthDesign.com. That's TrueWealthDesign.com. And click on the Are We Right For You button. And that'll help you schedule that 15-minute call. All you have to do, again, is go to TrueWealthDesign.com and click Are We Right For You. You can also give a call to the team at 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855 855- TWD plan. And we'll put the contact information in the description of today's show, as well as links to check out those previous episodes that we mentioned during the program today as well, that investing process series, as well as that kind of what to do during a market decline episode that we did a few years back as well. A lot of that advice still applies. Well, thank you so much for all of your help, Tyler, and I hope you have a great rest of your week and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Will do. All right, Saskia. That's Tyler Emmerich. I'm Walter Storehold. We'll see you next time, right back here on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.